You're listening to audio from Restoration Church. If you enjoyed the message and would like to get connected to our church, follow us on social media at Restoration Cambridge or at our website, restoration-church.ca. Send us a message and we would love to hear from you. We'll say a lot about your personal faith in God. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? So, continuing on in the story, immediately after this, in verse 16, it says this, Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. So, Abraham's seeing them off on their way, and I don't think it's missed on him that there's kind of a glance, it says, that the men sort of looked down towards Sodom. It wasn't lost on him the direction that God was heading. Lord going down to Sodom. I mean, that's not, that's not a great place. I'm sure Abraham was well aware of what was going on in Sodom. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you have special guests, and I don't know how you guys are, but when we when we have guests at our house, oftentimes our goodbye will sort of you know, spill out onto the drive. It's not like, you know, they don't let the door get shut back as you, as you go out and close the door. You know, it kind of spills out onto the driveway. And we help pack cars, and we hug, and we say our goodbyes, and we stand in the driveway and we wave. And as they're as they're driving up, they're going, "Why are they going that? The highway's that way, you know? Why are they going that way?" And I think that's what happened with with Abraham. And so we have to pick the story up there, as Abraham sort of seeing them on their way, he's walking off down this long driveway with with the Lord and two angels. You've seen them on their way. So we're going to pick up the story here in chapter 18 and verse 17. So just read with me. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him, so that he, uh, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very great, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went down, went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood still, uh, still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous from the wicked? Suppose there are fifty within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. To put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said to him, If I find in that Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. And then he said, Oh, let 
got the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he answered, I will not do it, but I find 30 there. And he said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he answered, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he finished speaking to Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. You know, I, I don't know what, what you think when, when you read a passage like that, but I come away from that and I'm just like, wow. That is, like, I feel like we are standing on holy ground. I feel like we've been granted uh, just a, a really rare and unique privilege of eavesdropping on an intimate, prayerful exchange between the Creator, everything, and man. This passage is both beautiful and breathtaking, and, and dare I say it, more than just a little terrifying. There's so much to see here in this passage. We see that, that, that God actually doesn't miss anything. He knows everything that's going on in the world. Well, we haven't promised this to them. We're supposed to hear it again. I shouldn't have joked with you. <laughs> uh, it's been the, the bane of our life in this, in this church. Mike, when I was saying this morning that in Art and Clyde, we got rid of the extensive microphone, and now we have a cheap one. And apparently, uh, cheap um, anyways, we're you know we're we're told the Lord doesn't miss anything. He sees everything that's going on. We're given insight into the very heart and mind of God. We're, we're, we kind of get a window into how He thinks. We see Him taking a man into His confidence, and we see a man wrestling and reasoning with God. And we see a man interceding for his fellow man. There's a lot here. There's a lot to digest. And unfortunately, all I can do is give you kind of a few thoughts about this passage. So the main thought that I want to draw out today is this, that God is a relational God. I want you to notice the dialogue that, that, that God has with himself. He says, shall I hide from Abraham? What I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the world will be blessed by him, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. God cares about his relationship with Abraham. He wants Abraham to walk with him. He wants Abraham to teach his children the way of the Lord, so that Abraham and his family after him for generations will follow the Lord and walk in righteousness and justice. Why? Why is this so important to God? Because God is a God of love. And love is expressed in relationship. He wanted Abraham to walk with him and he wants us to walk with him as well. God desires to be in relationship with us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's great love for us is demonstrated in the fact that he sent his son to be a sacrifice for the very sin that would separate us from him. He, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message of the cross. But God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were separated from him, Christ died for us. And when I look at this, you have to see how tenderly God deals with Abraham. God's under absolutely no obligation. We're talking about the creator of the universe here. We're talking about the creator of the world. Everything that came into being came into being because God spoke it into being. He has no obligation, and yet he tenderly tells Abraham what I'm about to do. You know, I'm so glad that God isn't like us. I mean, if, you know, if you've known me for any length of time, you will have heard the word nanya. People will say, hey, what are you doing calling nanya? Nanya business, you know? It's like, we, we're, we, we don't want anyone to know what we're doing, you know? It's like, mind your own business. This doesn't concern you. There's nothing to see here. Shove along, right? But not so with God. God is continually inviting us into his business. He wants us to know his ways. He wants us, he wants us to know who he is. He wants to know how he works. We have an entire book that God has given us that describes his ways, his, how he moves, what matters to him, what's most important. It tells us how we can engage in relationship with him. What do you think would have happened if God hadn't told Abraham what he was doing? And I, I, think that, I actually think the passage answers that question. Because it says, then Abraham drew near and he said, will, will you indeed sweep away the righteous and the wicked? Far be it from you to do such a thing. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Abraham's like, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Let me get this straight here, okay, Lord? You're going down to Sodom to destroy the city. Regardless of anybody, any righteous people that might live there, you're going down to wipe them out, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I thought you were a righteous God. I thought you were the just just judge. Excuse me for saying, but it just seems a little bit out of character here to wipe away the innocent with the wicked. And I believe what's at stake here is Abraham's faith. And I know that, and I believe that God knew that. And if God had gone down without first having this conversation with Abraham, it could very well have been the end of his relationship with God. His thinking might have been something very similar to what we hear today. How can I trust a God who acts like that, wiping out the innocent and the you know, innocent people with the wicked, you know? How can I trust a God who allows a Ukraine? How can I trust a God who allows, you know, tidal waves to wipe out villages? God knew this, and he made space for Abraham to work through it on his own. And, and after it was all said and done, Abraham was able to leave that conversation 
with the full conviction that God would do the right thing. Even if there's only ten righteous people. And you've got to think that he's probably thinking about Lot, right? Because Lot lived down there. He's going, okay, Lot, his wife, he's got two daughters. You know, maybe they've got, you know, I think they have uh, fiancés. So there's, you know, there's six. And, you know, it's got to be at least another four people, right? This passage teaches us one thing, and it teaches us that God wants us to bring our doubts before him. It's just kind of interesting that Aaron was talking about this this morning. I love when, when God brings a service together, and I, I have no idea what Aaron was going to say. But, uh, you know, he wants us to bring his doubts before him. And we need to follow Abraham's example. And we also need to be reverent and respectful We are addressing the God of all creation. God wants us to work out our doubts and our difficulties before him in relationship. You know, it's no wonder that the Bible calls Abraham the friend of God. You know, I can't think of anything else that I would rather be called to somebody to say, hey, Colin's a friend of God. You know, there's a deconstructionist movement in the church that's gained a certain movement in Christian circles. We've seen some popular Christian celebrities in the church say, you know, I, 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 I no longer believe, and I'm walking away. They've examined their personal ideas about Christianity, their practice, their, their tradition, their belief system, and they've said, nah, it doesn't, doesn't really work for me anymore. And even at Restoration Church, we've had people who have said, you know, I'm just not sure if I really believe this anymore. I don't know where you are in your faith journey. But here's what I can tell you. The scriptures are clear that the answers are not inside of us. I can't trust myself to come to conclusions about God outside of his word. God has given us so much information about himself, but if I rely on myself, I'm just going to come up with my own ideas. And and not only that, if I rely on the speculation of other humans about what God should or shouldn't be, or who God is or who God isn't, then I'm going to find myself in trouble. That way is going to lead away from God. Abraham takes his concern... And he lays it before the Lord. Prayerful inquiry in front of an open Bible. That's what we're talking about. That's how we're going to come to the truth of who God is. You know, the problem with, with, with deconstruction, as I see it, is that those who question their faith, they eventually walk away from it. They're really missing, they're really missing at what the core of Christianity is. And that is, that is a, a personal an intimate relationship with God, and the knowledge of God. Abraham is faced with the news about Sodom. He immediately leans into God, not away from him. Okay, God, this doesn't sound like you. Aren't you the righteous judge of all the earth? And he's working through it, and he he takes what he already knows about God, and with the Lord's help and in the Lord's presence, he works through what he's been told. And after it's all said and done, Abraham comes out the other side with a stronger faith. And here's the point, I guess. 
One, where are you going when you have doubts? What are you doing when you have questions about your faith? Are you bringing them to the Lord? And secondly, what do you really know about God? What can, what can you really say about him? Where, where are you going for your, for your knowledge with him? You know, and, and, and I guess maybe to even put a social media spin on it, what's your relationship status? You know, I'm sure as a good Christian, you would probably declare yourself, you know, in a relationship, right? But if we were to peel back the curtain of your life, if we were to observe your daily routine, if I were to look over your shoulder, kind of in the same way that, that, that we're looking over Abraham's shoulder, if we were to look over your shoulder, what would the past say about your relationship status with God? It's driving me crazy. Um, not on speaking terms. You know, you reach out occasionally like that long-lost friend. Changing the batteries. Okay. I'll let you do that. Thanks to Matt, our... Also try putting on the other side. All right, I'll change this around. See how that works. This might be one of the biggest encouragements I have to lose a little bit of weight if I can't, if I can't, uh, the, you know, the antenna won't go around my body. It's, it's a good sign. Um, anyways, relationship status, okay? Not on speaking terms. You reach out occasionally like uh, someone you used to be close to. Are you casually dating? Or are you close and intimate? You know, how, how do we grow our relationship with the Lord? And I, and I think it's, it's, it's really important for us to kind of just dissect this a little bit and look at this exchange. And I want you just to visualize kind of what's happening here. You know, I imagine that it's, it's getting late in the day. I mean, these men arrived at the heat of the day. So, you know, two or three o'clock, Abraham had to make up some food. I'm pretty sure they didn't have microwaves in those days. So, you know, and, and it was a, I think it was a calf. So, you know, we're talking about a couple of hours here. And, and then, you know, the kind of interaction between Sarah and, and Abraham and the promise of the son. And, and then, you know, coffee after dinner. I don't know what they were, what they, what they did. And then, you know, Abraham seeing them off and... They're standing on this hill, you know, it says the men look down to Sodom. So I imagine they're standing on this hill and the sun's kind of, the, the sun is, is, is sort of setting. And God says, hey, Abraham, I want to tell you what's going to happen. There's an outcry that's come up to my ear and I'm going to check it out. And then it says that the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. So I imagine, you know, God's talking to Abraham and Abraham's kind of standing here like this and he's just kind of like, he's kind of processing what's going on and he's just standing there before the Lord. I think it's such a, such a great picture, such a great picture that the Lord is confiding in him, the Lord is speaking to him and he's just standing there by himself, solitary in a private moment 
the words of the Lord sinking into his mind and into his heart. And then verse 23, it says, Then Abraham drew near and said. You know, perhaps this, this is why he is called the friend of God. His willingness to just draw near to God. You know, if you, if you want to be that kind of person, if you want to be the friend of God, you need to take time and stop and listen. Really listen to what the Lord is saying. You need to be quiet and solitary and private. Just you and God, no one else. You know, I can, I can tell you what i pretty sure didn't happen. You know, Abraham, because the, the cry of Sodom is, is great and I'm, and I'm going down there, I want, uh, you know, I'm going to go and check it up. Oh, just a um, Abe, um, can, can you see if you can pick some berries on your way back to the tent? Uh, I was thinking of serving goat yogurt uh, and fruit for breakfast. You know, it's like, sorry, Lord. You know, it's, it's absurd, really, isn't it? It's absurd. And yet... Isn't that what we so often do? We're so tied to our phones, and I, I had no idea. Aaron was going to say, take your phones out. <laughs> so if you disagree with me, I'd like you to go and talk to Pastor Aaron. We'll, 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 we'll talk to you about it. But you know what? We need to put the phones down. We need to put the phones down, and we need to pick up our Bibles. You know, and I know that that sounds fashionable, old-fashioned, out of touch with culture, but I actually believe that the cell phone, as we know it today, is incompatible and unfavorable to developing a personal relationship with God. Uh, But Colin, I, I have a Bible app. Well, that may be true, but your phone buzzes and beeps, and comes with all kinds of notices and reminders. It's an inexhaustive source of updates and news. There's a myriad of distractions and enticements. It's not just capable of derailing your relationship with God. It's capable of derailing your human relationships. I I can't tell you the number of times I've been in in a restaurant, and I'm looking over, and I see a couple, two kids, you know, nuclear family, son, daughter, are coloring away and the parents are like nobody's saying anything I'm like folks the phone is destroying our relationships and it's destroying our relationship with the Lord I'm not saying never use a Bible app okay because there are places and times when you can use that but if you're desiring intimacy with God you need to put the phone down and you actually need to go to another room and open up your Bible and meet with God With Abraham, there was no distractions. He was standing alone and solitary before God. How's your alone time with God? I hope you're making time for solitude with the Lord. You know, it's interesting the progression that that, that happens here. First of all, God speaks. Secondly, Abraham listens. Thirdly, Abraham kind of internalizes what God's saying to him. You know, he mulls it over, he thinks it's three, he might even say he's meditating on what God says. And then Abraham draws near and speaks. And it's interesting that when Abraham speaks, he speaks out of a, out of a knowledge of God. 
It says, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? See, here's what Abraham knew about God. And I'm just taking this from the passage. I know there's much more that Abraham knew about him. But here's what we get from the passage. Abraham knew and understood that God had the ability to know what was going on in the hearts of people. Abraham knew that God was the judge of all the earth. Abraham knew that God was just and good. Abraham expected God to act in accordance with his revealed character. And Abraham knew that God had the power to do what he said he was going to do. He took two things. What he already knew about God and what God was speaking to him. And then he responds in prayer. Because what we're talking about here is prayer. Abraham drew near and said. And what comes out of his mouth is, is, is just a really humble response to God. Psalm 25 says he leads the humble in, his, in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. There's nothing arrogant about the way that Abraham approaches the Lord. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord, but I am but dust and ashes. Ashes. Oh, let, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak this once more. He was working out his faith with the Lord in humility. I mean, it begs the question, what's your posture before God? You know, God honors those that come to him in humility. God delights to reveal himself to those who, uh, who come to him with a right heart. God has no time for the ranting of the arrogant. He has no time for those, if there's a God, let him come down and speak to me right now. You know? Let him answer for all the evil that is in the world. I heard a, once a, a popular comedian say, how dare you? If I could talk to God, I'd say, how dare you? No, you wouldn't. You would fall on your face in, in absolute abject fear. God reveals himself to the humble. Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Abraham demonstrates for us what an encounter with God should look like. How is your relationship with the Lord? Do you come aside from the busyness of life to be solitary before the Lord? Are you listening to what the Lord is telling you through his word? What do you really know about the Lord? Are you intimately acquainted with his character? Are you growing in the knowledge of the Lord? When you speak with the Lord, is it a humble understanding of who he is and who you are? We're told that at the end of the passage that Abraham went back to his tent and God went to his... on his way. But the next day, spoiler alert, I hope, is somebody preaching on this next week? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) This is what we're told. And Abraham went early in the morning, the next day, to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. 
Was Abraham's faith shaken at that point? No. Because he, he had met personally with God, and personally and intimately, and God was everything that he knew him to be, and more. Abraham was at peace with God, and his faith was intact. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we recognize that you are an almighty and all-powerful God. And yet, despite that, you desire a relationship with us. Lord, as we, as we draw near through the sacrifice of Jesus, would you help us to know you? Would you help us to understand you? Would you help us to draw near and be uh, faithful in our relationship with you? Lord, we want to know you. And we thank you for your word, which teaches us, Lord, how to do these things. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.